chapter 17, passage that uh, records uh, the, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, and we'll read uh, 1 uh, to 17. It's on page 77 uh, if you're using a, a Pew Bible. Page 77. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your maidservant or manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien uh, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. We end uh, the reading uh, there. Um, today uh, I want to introduce you to something uh, for some of you that might be of nine. Uh, offer our today. Um, I intend to begin a series in Colossians, uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, but we're going to begin in uh, Acts 28, uh, just to the, the, the background to what's happening to Paul at this point uh, in time. Uh, Acts chapter 28, it's on page 1126, 1126, if you're using a pew Bible, and we're going to begin at... Uh, Verse 16, chapter 28, Acts 28, verse 16, uh, down to the end. And then if you want to put your finger in page 1182, that's where we're going to go next to Colossians and just a few verses at the beginning. 1182, I'll remind you of that in just a moment. First of all, Acts 28 and verse 16. Uh, when we got to Rome, so they're in Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a, a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any charges to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you 
and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then turning over to page 1182, Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read the first eight verses. Colossians chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse uh, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless too each and every one of us, the reading and hearing of his own word. Uh, our third singing, uh, each Lord's Day, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration uh, of God. It's given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. The Apostle Peter, in 2 Peter 2, verse 21, tells us that Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They didn't speak their own words, their own ideas, their own thoughts. They spoke as they were moved by God's Holy Spirit. Holy men, men like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, Jude, men who wrote the Gospels and the letters which make up our New Testament. They were holy men. Now, this word holy 
has the, the idea of being set apart. Uh, they are separated unto God. Uh, and it's a term that's not only applied to these men who uh, recorded the scriptures for us. Um, this term holy is referred to anyone who puts their trust in the Lord. We are holy. It's not because we're uh, better than anybody else, but because we are separated unto God. God has called us out, out of darkness, out of, uh, uh, out of evil, out of sin, and brought us into his own kingdom. We are set apart. We are separated unto God. So uh, these men are holy men, but they're not supermen. They're men just like us. Uh, but they're set apart to God, just like we have, we have been if we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're, they're not, there's nothing spectacular about them, nothing strange about them. They're not men who are living immune to real life, the troubles and suffering of life. They're not writing from some ivory tower. They're ordinary men. Matthew was a tax collector, somebody who was despised, who was hated by his own people because he was working for the Romans. Mark, also known as John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, was a man who, at the beginning, failed in the ministry. He abandoned Paul. He went off. But then, later on, we learned that he was restored to great usefulness. And in the end, when, when Paul needs help the most, who does he call for? He calls for John Mark. Luke a Gentile, Gentile background. He was a complete outsider. John, where does he end up? Cut off, exiled in Patmos. James, the brother of Jesus. It seems to be that when Jesus was alive that uh, his brother James was an unbeliever. He didn't trust in Jesus. He didn't believe what he was saying. Peter, Peter denied him three times. Jude, Jude was caught up in the, facing the, the, and tackling apostasy and false teachers. Men who didn't have it easy. They didn't have an easy time. Just ordinary men. Paul, a man who once despised Jesus so much, despised his followers that he sought to crush them uh, and to do away with them. He was a man who came to love Jesus and sought to persuade others uh, to follow him. And at the end of his life, or towards the end of his life at this point, uh, where is he? He's not sitting in an ivory tower writing helpful letters to congregations. He's in prison. He's in prison. Real men, real situation, situations, no ivory towers. Uh, this man, Paul, is in prison. And at this point, he writes, he, there's a prison period. After his second and third missionary journeys, this is when um, he's arrested in uh, Jerusalem and he eventually ends up in Rome. And he writes four letters during this time uh, of captivity in Rome. He is released at the end of that. Uh, there's a time of release. Uh, and then he's brought back to prison again in Rome and he writes to Timothy. But if you, if you look up uh, the prison letters of Rome, they usually say, uh, these four uh, and uh, 2 Timothy is uh, a later one. The four prison letters that he writes are Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon and 
I'm not doing them in sequence because Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon are, form a part of a group. And then there's Philippians. Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon and Philippians. But as I said, uh, our focus today is uh, Colossians and um, we're looking at it by way of introduction. Um, I was never interested in history at school. Uh, we're going to be delving into a wee bit of history. So don't let it put you off because that's, we're, we're going to deal with it today and whether we're going to move on and we're going to start looking uh, in particular at the text uh, as we, we go through. So um, if you think, what's this guy on about and all this history and all these names and dates or whatever, um, don't let it put you off. Just hang in there because we need some background to find out what's going on uh, at the, behind this letter. So we're looking at Colossians today uh, and an introduction. And if you want to think about, well, what, what is the book of Colossians all about? And it's all about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to focus on in the weeks that uh, we're together, is thinking and focusing on Jesus Christ. It's about the preeminence of Christ because these uh, believers in Colossae we're starting to let other things creep in and take the place of Christ in their lives. Now, as I said, there, there's, uh, um, he, had, uh, he was in prison. There's actually three stages in which Paul is imprisoned, or as we learn from what we read there in Acts 28, he's actually under house arrest. So there's a bit of flexibility there um, where he is allowed to receive guests. He's able to talk to them. Um, it says that they were with him from morning to evening and he was explaining to them from the scriptures uh, uh, about Christ. Um, so he's under house arrest. The difference is when he is uh, after his release and then he's arrested again, that final imprisonment is a completely different situation. He's in a dungeon. He's locked up. He's cut off. Completely different situation. So there's three periods to this actual imprisonment period. First of all, he begins in Ephesus when he's arrested. Um, he spends time in Ephesus for about three, three and a half years. Uh, you can read of that in Acts 19, Acts 20. He's then moved on to Caesarea uh, on the sea. Um, and he spends two years there in forced confinement. Uh, Acts chapter 24. Uh, and then he's moved on to Rome, and that's where we meet him here in the letter to the Colossians. He's under house arrest, and we read the passage, Acts 28, verses 30 to 31. So these four prison letters were written during this time in Rome. Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and uh, also then uh, Philippians. Uh, now, the first three... And, and this is why I've grouped these three together, Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon, they have a number of various links and connections uh, between them. There are similarities between these three letters. So it's believed that these three letters were probably written uh, around about the same time. And indeed, when they're delivered, they go out at the same time. So they were written at a similar time, around the same time. And it's thought it was probably at an earlier point during his imprisonment. Philippians doesn't have those same links and connections with the other three, although it was, it was written in prison in Rome, um, and it was probably written uh, at uh, a later point in his imprisonment. So Philippians has no personal 
references that would link it to the other three, um, apart from one mention of Timothy. So here's Paul in Rome. He's under house arrest. There is some degree, he talks about being in chains, but there is some degree of flexibility. He is allowed to receive visitors and, and he's able to speak to others. Um, so he's writing to the Colossians from Rome under house arrest. At the end of the letter, Colossians 4, verse 18, what he says, he says, remember, me, remember my chains. Remember me. I'm here in prison. Remember me, uh, my chains. So just for our introduction today, we, we want to look at the first two verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Grace and peace to you, excuse me, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And in this opening greeting, Paul mentions this companion, Tim, uh, Timothy. Timothy, our brother. And Paul probably first met Timothy uh, in a place called Lystra, which was during his first missionary journey. Uh, Acts chapter 14 verses 8 to 21 tells us about that. So the, the first time that Paul goes out on a missionary trip, um, he goes to a place called Lystra, and he uh, meets with this man, Timothy, uh, a young man. Then on his second, so he goes, then he goes back, then he goes out on another uh, missionary journey, and what they do is they revisit the places that they've been to on the first missionary journey. They re revisit the works that have been established on the first journey, and uh, Paul, once again, uh, meets Timothy and it seems to be that things have been starting to happen in Timothy's life. Paul has Timothy circumcised since his mother was Jewish, although his father was Greek, Acts chapter 16. Um, uh, in Acts 16, in the first three verses, it says that Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren. Um, this man, here's a man that seems to be growing uh, spiritually. Uh, and then what happens? Paul, or Timothy, joins Paul for the rest of his second missionary journey. So he, he comes alongside Paul and begins to work with him. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, short-term service? Well, this was no short-term service. He committed himself uh, to working alongside Paul and he joins him for the rest of that secondary missionary journey. On Paul's third missionary journey... Uh, Timothy was listed as one of Paul's helpers at Ephesus. Paul then sends Timothy and another man called uh, Erastus. Uh, he sends them out uh, on this third missionary journey to go to Macedonia uh, fr from um, Ephesus, Acts 19, verse 22. Paul stays in Ephesus. Uh, and what's significant, Ephesus is just down the road from Colossae. And Paul stays there, he stays in this area for some time. And it could be while he's there that things, it's a, it was a trading city, commercial city, people coming and going from all over the place, uh, that perhaps people had come from Colossae and heard Paul and been affected by the message, converted and went back to, to Colossae and things begin to happen back in Colossae. But at this point, Timothy sent off with Erastus 
to Macedonia. So the, the brake company at that point. Timothy isn't mentioned again when Paul goes back uh, to Jerusalem at the end of the third missionary journey. And we're not told that uh, when Paul is taken to Rome, that Timothy was with him. He's just, he's not there. But then, all of a sudden, Timothy does appear again with Paul while he's in prison in Rome. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, here with me, Timothy, our brother. So, Here's Timothy again with Paul in Colossians 1 and verse 1 as Paul is writing his letter and uh, he is still with Paul later on uh, during this period of imprisonment. So it seems to be that while Paul is now in prison, Timothy is there with him. Timothy joins with him uh, because he's still around later on when he writes the letter to the Philippians later on in his imprisonment. Philippians 1 verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. So Timothy, uh, a godly young man, joins Paul, uh, joins the service uh, of uh, preaching the gospel. And he faithfully ministers alongside Paul and, and continues to minister to Paul while he's in prison in Rome. Uh, so no wonder Paul calls him, uh, along with himself, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, somebody who's committed himself to serving Jesus Christ, both here, Colossians 1 verse 1 and Philippians 1 verse 1. So then Paul uh, writes, he's writing to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Uh, verse 2, uh, the, the holy, uh, as I've already said, this word holy, sometimes it's translated as saints, uh, holy ones, those who are consecrated to God. When it, when it mentions holy people, uh, saints, uh, we're not thinking about dead people who were uh, super religious uh, and now, now are up there and we can uh, send our request to them. Uh, that couldn't be any further from the truth. They're not dead people. They're living, very much living people, but they're people who are separated to God. They belong to God. They've been brought into a relationship with him. It's God's people. And Paul is writing to God's people who are living in this place called Colossae. He calls them faithful brothers. Faithful brothers in Christ. Uh, they are true. They are faithful. They are trustworthy. They are in Christ. They are in union with the risen Christ. So this is God's letter through his servant Paul to his people who are in Colossae. It's God's message today to the saints, to the faithful brothers in Christ who are in wherever we are. Now Colossae at this point in time uh, wasn't a very important uh, place at all. It wasn't a cultural centre such as uh, places not too far away, Alexandria, Athens or, or uh, Rome. Um, Colossae had been in, in the centuries uh, before Christ, in the centuries before Christ, it had been a very significant place. It was a, a cosmopolitan city. It was a significant place. It was a commercial route. Uh, there was a lot going on there. But at this time, at this point, when we come to the time when the Romans are in charge, uh, Colossae is very much in the shadow 
of things, especially uh, uh, Laodicea, which is about 12 miles away. Um, you hear about Laodicea in Revelation. Um, and uh, uh, Hierapolis is just 18 miles down the road. Uh, much more significant, uh, bigger places. There was a lot more going on at that point. And it was like, it reminded me, it was, uh, my, my brother used to have a, a, a business in Sligo. And it was going really, really well. Everything was thriving. And he, he turned up at the shop one day and they, re, they rerouted the main, so the one-way traffic. And it used to, the one-way traffic used to go past his shop, so everybody went past his shop. And everything was great. They rerouted that one-way traffic and took it to a couple of streets away from where he was, and the place died overnight. It was so dramatic. In some ways, this is what happened in Colossae. Uh, things had developed and moved on with the Romans, and Laodicea and Hierapolis came to be the places where you went. You didn't really go to Colossae. Uh, Hierapolis and Laodicea are mentioned at the end of the letter, uh, Colossians 4 and verse 13. And Colossae, Laodicea, Hierapolis, they, they formed a, like a, a triangle uh, of neighbouring towns or cities uh, and they, each of them had churches. So Colossae was just, uh, at this point in time, just a very ordinary place. Most of the people there would have made their living by uh, raising sheep, uh, farming crops, or by dyeing wool. There was a, a root, there was a root that was uh, unique to Colossae um, that uh, gave a purple dye. And it might have been Lydia, remember, she was a dyer of purple. She used to dye the textiles purple. Um, possibly she didn't come from uh, Colossae but she, that's where she would have got this purple dye from uh, it was the, the least important of any city to receive a letter from, from Paul it was the most insignificant place to receive one of Paul's letter but what, what a letter it is because this letter is so full of Jesus Christ. It's full of the majesty of Christ. But, but isn't this so often the way that God works? As Mary says in her song of praise in Luke chapter 1 and four, verses 47 to 55, he has regarded the lowly. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good, with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. God regards the lowly. God regards the small. God regards the insignificant. He lifts them up and he fills them with good things. Whether that be Mary, uh, whether it be Colossae, whether it be you or me or wherever. And as Mary says, he is to be magnified. He is to be exalted. His name glorified for what he has done and what he will do through the lowly, through the small, through the insignificant, through the weak, in order to make his strength known. So what a letter. This insignificant backwater of a place at this time to receive such a letter. It wasn't sent to Heropolis. It wasn't sent to Laodicea. Well, it was in a sense we'll see in a moment. Paul 
uh, might have passed through Colossae on his third missionary journey. He was certainly in the area. Uh, Acts chapter 18 uh, verse 23 says that Paul went out throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia and uh, Colossae was in this region of Phrygia. But we're not told that he ever went there. Um, there's no evidence to indicate that he, he founded the church there. Uh, it was probably founded by one of his converts um, from either his time in Antioch, which wasn't far, far away, uh, Acts chapter 13, or from that time that I was saying that he stayed on in Ephesus uh, for three years once he had sent Erastus and Timothy on to Macedonia. When Paul wrote this letter, he hadn't actually visited the church. Colossians 1 verse 4, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, he's only heard about it. He hasn't seen it for himself. Chapter 1 verse 8, Paul was informed of their love in the spirit. Chapter 2 verse 1, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and for those in Laodicea, for the church down the road, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. He hadn't seen them, they hadn't seen him. So Paul apparently hadn't met them face to face. Some think that the church there, there's lots of suggestions as who, who might have founded the church. Some suggest it might have been the, uh, Epaphras who turns up in uh, the letter. He was a native of Colossae. And in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says he's one of you. Uh, and he might have been converted during Paul's stay in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. Then Epaphras goes back home and with the message of the gospel and a church is established. Uh, Paphras is mentioned uh, throughout the letter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, uh, chapter 4, verse 12, as a dear fellow servant. He's also mentioned as a, a bond servant of Christ, just like Paul, just like Timothy, somebody who wants to serve the Lord. Now, although Paul hadn't visited the church uh, in his uh, letter to Philemon, and this is a link with the letter to Philemon, uh, Philemon was a member of the church in Colossae. Paul says to Philemon, when he sends his letter, letter to him, he says that he hopes to go to Colossae. Philemon, verse 22, prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers uh, I shall be granted to you. Get the room ready, uh, get the clean sheets on. Uh, I hope that um, I will be able to visit. So, a bit of the background to Colossae and some of the people that are mentioned in the letter. Uh, what's the purpose of the letter? Uh, why did Paul write this letter to the Colossians? Well, while he's in prison in Rome, uh, Paul was visited. Timothy's there with him, but he's visited by this man, Epaphras, who's come from Colossae, travelled to Rome uh, to meet with Paul. So, at this point, Epaphras is with Paul in Rome, and Epaphras tells Paul of what's going on in the church. He, he brings him a report of what's going on there, uh, the spiritual state of the church. And Colossians 1 verse 4, Epaphras tells Paul of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, their love for all the saints, for their love for the people of God. Uh, chapter 1 verse 8, uh, uh, their love in the Spirit. Chapter 2 verse 5, Paul learns of their good order their steadfastness of faith in Christ. So there's many good things that, the, that he hears 
about what's happening in the church. But there are also things that are of great concern to him because Epaphras tells him that uh, some false teaching has begun to infiltrate the Colossian church. Chapter 2, verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. They were being persuaded in a different direction. Chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the new of the world, and not according to Christ. So there, were, there was uh, philosophical ideas coming in. There were religious ideas coming in. Uh, there was all sorts of other things that were having an impact upon the church, and none of it was good. Uh, Paul uh, mentions uh, philosophy uh, and these ideas that were coming in, and um, in dealing with this philosophy, he mentions mysteries, wisdom, knowledge, and all of these things were part of pagan philosophy. Now remember, we're in a Gentile part of the world, uh, and uh, the, this would have been their background. And some of these things from the past are starting to creep back in, uh, these philosophical ideas, uh, ideas of mysteries, of secret knowledge, uh, secret wisdom. And they, these things were taken away from Christ. It was a pagan way of thinking. The church in Colossae was mostly made up of people with a, a Gentile background and they were being tempted back uh, by these false teachers into a Gentile, a pagan way of thinking. Another danger that Paul addresses um, is a, a legalistic Judaism. Um, uh, people saying, well, it's okay uh, believing in Christ and, and so on, but to be a full, uh, full on for God, you need to also uh, adopt um, Jewish practices. Uh, they were insisting on that they had to observe uh, Jewish practices, uh, religious rituals, keeping holy days as a necessary way to be right with God. Colossians 2 verse 16, let no one judge you in food or drink regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Chapter 2 verse 18, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, those things he has not seen, vainly puffed up uh, by his fleshly mind. Chapter 2, verse 21. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. You must do this, you mustn't do this. All rules and regulations that had come from uh, a, a Jewish background. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 23, Paul says, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom. It seems to be that this is the way, the right way to do it. Keeping rules and regulations, uh, keeping holy days, doing this, not doing that. He says, there seems to be a wisdom in self-imposed religion. It's a false humility. It's a neglect of the body. You think by neglecting yourself, by, by keeping these dietary rules and so on, that it's going to make you right with God. He says, they're of no value. They're of no value. They'll, they'll not keep you from sin. Paul also uh, addresses the danger that these false teachers were, were seeking to influence them with, and that was immoral behaviour. Because from their Gentile background, they had lived immoral lives and they were being tempted back by, uh, by these as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, 
fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, chapter 3, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. So Paul is writing to the Colossians to give them the Christian antidote to false teaching. What is going to keep them from, from listening to these new ideas, or perhaps not new ideas, but to be, be attracted back to them? What's going to, to keep them from false teaching, from false practice? The antidote, and this is why he's pointing again and again to Christ, the antidote to false teaching and to false practice is Christ. Uh, and it's the same for us today. If we're to be kept from what is false and a false way of living, a, 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 a life that's without value, it's to have our focus on Christ and our relationship with him, our union with him. So Paul counteracts what is false, false teaching, what is false practice with biblical teaching, with theology, doctrine, and with biblical practice. This is what we believe and so therefore this is how we are to live. At the end of the letter uh, he mentions a man called Tychicus in the final section, chapter 4 verses 7 to 8. He commissions Tychicus to take this letter to the Colossians. In Ephesians, remember there's a link between Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon. In Ephesians 6 Verses 20 to 21, we learn that Tychicus is also to deliver Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In Colossians 4 verse 9, Onesimus. Onesimus is the slave who ran away from his master Philemon. And he ends up uh, uh, meeting up with Paul in Rome. Onesimus uh, and Philemon, where are they from? Colossae. They're from Colossae. There's this link. So he's run away from his master Philemon. Uh, he goes to uh, Rome and Paul sends Onesimus back with Tychicus. Uh, Tychicus is to bring the letter to Colossians. He's to bring a letter back to the Ephesians. And Onesimus is to bring a letter back to his master Philemon. They travel back together. In Colossians 4 verse 16, Paul instructs them that after they've read their letter, after the Colossians read the letter that Paul sends them, that this letter is then to be passed on to the church at Laodicea, 12 miles down the road, and the Laodiceans are to read this letter to the Colossians. The letter to the Laodicean church was... They are, are, oh sorry, the letter to the Colossians is to be sent down the road to the Laodiceans. The letter to the Laodiceans is to be sent to the Colossians. So they're to swap letters. Now, we don't have a letter to the Laodiceans. And it's believed that the letter to the Ephesians is this letter uh, that is referred to. So they're to swap uh, letters and both of them to read it. So we see that. Although he's writing to a particular situation and circumstances in Colossae, he wants the, the Ephesians to hear it as well. Uh, and it's the same is true for us today. God has made this part of his canon, part of the scriptures, 
he wants this letter to be continued to be read and to be instruction for us on how we are to live. So to sum up our introduction uh, this morning, uh, Timothy and Epaphras are in Rome with Paul. Paul's under house arrest. Epaphras has brought uh, Paul up to date with the situation in the Colossian church. Uh, Paul then writes this letter to the Colossians uh, with uh, instructions, theological and practical instructions to warn them against false teachings creeping into the church. This, these philosophy, uh, philosophies, their, their uh, legalism, uh, and against a return to old pagan ways to living. And Paul's answer to their problem, uh, and it's a, uh, the answer to our problems today as well, is a proper understanding of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what we are now to be in union with him. So as we come to the letter to the Colossians, and learn afresh who Jesus is, who we are in him, may our theology, what the Lord teaches us, inform and direct our practice, how we live in a way that will exalt Christ and glorify his name. Uh, I'm not actually here next week. Um, I'd already been booked for somewhere else, but God willing, I'll be with you in two weeks' time and we'll start into the meat uh, and the treasure uh, that is the letter to the Colossians. Um, we'll have a short time of prayer. I think we've got 